0: I'm going to deviate from our series in the book of Acts. I have a special Father's Day message that God laid upon my heart. I've entitled the message, Heroes Reborn. I want to go to Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, Beyond him, Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, ruler of the half-district of beth Zur, made repairs up to a point opposite the tombs of David as far as the artificial pool and the house of the heroes and the house of... Of the heroes let's pray God I thank you that heroes are being reborn in our country once again I declare that heroes are being reborn in our churches once again and heroes are being reborn in the house of heroes in our homes in America today I declare that in the name of Jesus it's what we desperately need so Lord you are our heavenly Father, and I pray, God, that your grace and blessing would be upon this message and upon everyone in the sound of my voice. And I thank you all for this in the name that's above every name, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen, amen and amen. In my devotional reading through Scripture, I'm in the book of Genesis. I'm reading about the life of Abraham, and now I'm reading about his sons. And what struck me on this Father's Day was that one of the greatest promises that God ever made to an individual, one of the absolute hands down greatest promises God ever made to an individual was made to Abraham when God promised that he would be a father. God didn't say, I'll make you the husband of many wives. No, he said, I'll make you the father of many nations. The greatest blessing in life is truly to be a father father after God's own heart we need houses of heroes we need a house of the heroes as is mentioned here in the book of Nehemiah you know you can either have a house of horrors or you can have a house of heroes and God wants to bless us with houses of heroes now today on Father's Day not every dad in here can be famous but every dad in here can be a hero. You can be a hero to your sons. You can be a hero to your daughters. That's the real heroes that count. A teacher asked her fifth grade class students to write an essay about a personal hero. So this little girl wrote about her father. When she brought the essay home to her dad for him to read it, he was so touched. He was so blessed. He said, honey, what made you think of writing about me as your hero? She said, Well, because I couldn't spell DiCaprio. (laughs) Okay. On this Father's Day, I pose a series of very important questions. Is the age of men coming to an end? Are men becoming extinct? Could any of us imagine a world without men? You know, it isn't entirely impossible. According to geneticist Brian Sykes, he calculates that male, the male species is halfway down the road to extinction with just 125,000 years to go. Well, I'm glad it's not just around the corner. And within the next 125,000 years, I believe there's hope for men in our world and in our country. And before then, I sure hope Jesus has already returned. But a world without men, for most, that would be a scary thought. But for some, including perhaps some women, it could work. Ladies, think about how much easier life would be without men. Like one lady said, I wouldn't have to shave my legs, go on a diet, dye my hair, or wear makeup. Imagine the money that would be saved also. Contrary to popular notions today, God made men and women differently, and we're thankful for that. I came across some rules for women from a man's perspective. Mind you, ladies, this is only from a man's perspective, but... There are 10 rules for women, and I want to give those to you. Number one, if it itches, it will be scratched. We do that. Number two, whenever possible, please say whatever you have to say during the commercials. We would appreciate that. <laughs> number three, learn to work the toilet seat. You're a big girl. If it's up, put it down. If you need it up, you need it down, you're all, that's you. You can do that. You don't hear us griping when you leave it down. <laughs> Rule number four, Sunday equals sports. It's, not, it's kind of like the full moon and the changing of the tide. Let it be. Number five, shopping is not a sport. We will never look at it as a sport. Number six, crying is blackmail. Please stop. Number seven, ask for what you want. Let us be clear on this one. Subtle hints do not work. Strong hints do not work. Obvious hints do not work. Just say it. And rule number eight, we don't remember dates. So mark them down, birthdays, anniversaries, on a calendar, and remind us frequently. Rule number nine, if if something we said can be interpreted two ways, and one way makes you sad and angry, we meant the other way. And finally, number 10, rules for women from a man's perspective. When we have to go somewhere, absolutely anything you put on, you look beautiful in it. (laughs) Brian Sykes teaches genetics at Oxford. And he argues in a book some years ago that he wrote, Adam's Curse, that the seeds of man's destruction have already been sown. Think about that. You know, most violence in our world is perpetrated by men. ISIS is a male-dominated, evil, terrorist organization. The most efficient mass killers in the history of the world, they all had one thing in common. They were all men. Hitler, Stalin, Pol Pot, Mao Zedong. What if Mrs. Kim Jong-un was the ruler in North Korea? Would things be different? What if Mrs. Saddam Hussein ruled in Iraq before those two horrible wars? Would things have been different? You see, there is a serious challenge to repairing the house of heroes in our country, let alone the world today. Here are some alarming statistics in our country. Today, 25% of men are more likely to live at home permanently In America today these are alarming trends single motherhood is at an all-time high and it's rising it's right now at 41% of all mothers are single mothers 30 years and younger that percentage goes up to 50% tonight across America children will go to bed tonight 50% of the homes the father won't be there My heart goes out to single moms because I was raised by a single mother. I know the stress and the strain and the challenge and the difficulty of raising kids and working a job or two or three to make ends meet. I know how difficult that can be. My wife and I were privileged to work and be a part of a singles ministry in our former church, and we had the privilege of loving on and ministering to many single mothers and, yes, even single fathers. It's never been more challenging. You know, single moms naturally have a higher levels of stress, and they can transfer that to their sons who become underdeveloped socially. Even kids who have access to their dads, the dads are checked out. They're distant. The average boy speaks to his father 30 minutes in a week. In that same week, that boy will spend 44 hours in front of a monitor or a screen of some sort every single week. We all know this. Porn is a global epidemic. Neuroscience research is telling us that the brains of young men are becoming digitally rewired because of the amount of digital porn that's being observed by our young men in our world and in our country today. Boys on average are watching two hours of porn each and every single week. It's more accessible and anonymous than ever before. It's creating an arousal addiction where they can't get enough of it. Whether it's porn or the virtual world or video games, when they're at school, they're thinking about it. When they're at home, they're thinking about it. When they're out and about, they're thinking about it. When they're having dinner with the family members, they're thinking about it. It's constantly on their mind. They have a new diagnosis. It's called P-I-E-D, porn-induced E-D, as a result of this epidemic in our land today. The house of heroes has to be repaired by the time a boy is 21 years old he has spent 10,000 hours playing video games equivalent to two bachelor's degrees at a university imagine that the young men of the 21st century are escaping into the virtual worlds of virtual reality at an alarming rate and we have to ask ourselves why because it's safe in the virtual world These young men have complete control, and they're never rejected. You see, men are attracted to video games more than girls in part because the current reality does not allow boys to find expression. They have fewer and fewer opportunities in our society to find expression. They go to schools, and they're told, don't run, sit down, be quiet, you can't play with toy guns. Cops and robbers, out of the question. Cowboys and Indians, not acceptable we even have schools today that are introducing and teaching boys how to become girls cartoons today rarely reinforce manliness and male values and yet in the video game world there are clear goals there's competition there's an outlet for their aggression there's violence there's rewards You see, our current version of society is making it increasingly difficult for for boys to learn what it means to become a real man, a godly man. Young men today are living in a constant gratification cycle. Their life is based on a pleasure principle, seeking pleasure and avoiding pain at all costs. But life is about pain. Life is about moments of suffering. And they can't be protected from that. You know, there's a difference between the way a mom loves her sons and the way a father loves his sons. Of course, both godly parents will love their children unconditionally, but a mother loves her son no matter what. A father will love his son no matter what, but a father teaches his son, you have to earn my respect, son. You've got to earn it. I'll always love you, but you've got to earn it. And what you're doing is not what men do. That's not how men do it. I taught you better than that. You see, young boys need to hear that. Young boys need to be challenged in their manhood. Young boys need to know what's right and what's wrong, and they need a godly example to look up to in order to do that. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a local businessman in our community. He's 45 years old, successful husband, successful businessman in our community. And as we were talking, he began to become emotional, and began to cry. So he began to tell me a story of what had just happened a few days earlier. His father, he's at the East 45. His father, for the very first time in his life, looked at his son and said, "Son, I'm proud of you. I want you to know how much I respect you. You have made a success out of your life, and you did it on your own, and you have my respect." He began to cry uncontrollably. He told me, he said, Carl, I, I've waited 45 years to hear that. He was blown away. It had such a profound impact on his life. After he was able to catch, capture his composure with his father when this happened in the moment, he said, Dad, I've been waiting my entire life to hear that. He said, what took you so long? And in common old school father fashion, he said, I don't know, just never thought about it but on that specific day something was triggered in the heart of that father and he spoke blessing and affirmation over his son never underestimate the power of a father speaking the blessing and affirming his son yes daughters need it absolutely young girls need it absolutely but we're talking about on this father's day the possible extinction of men and the challenge it is for boys to grow up to become men today. Because what we need is we need what was happening in the day of Nehemiah. The wall had been broken down for over 140 years. And the wall was now being rebuilt. Why? Because a hero was reborn. A hero showed up on the scene by the name of Nehemiah. And all of a sudden, this house of the heroes that had been vacant, that had been empty for, hundreds, for over 100 years, now the wall was being rebuilt around it. And maybe, just maybe, that, that room that had been vacant for so many years was about to be filled with heroes once again. You see, that's a reference to the time of King David when, when David was ascending the throne in Israel. And he became the most powerful king this world has ever seen. He had, at, at, at one moment in time in history, the most powerful kingdom the world had ever seen. Before David ascended the throne, he was on the run from King Saul. And 400 men came to David. And the way they came to David was not the way they remained. They came to David, the Bible says they were in debt. They were discouraged. They were despondent. But they came and they began to live with David, and David began to lead them. And David was a hero. He was a spiritual worshiper and a spiritual warrior. He was a man after God's own heart. And all of a sudden, it began to rub off on these men. And these men became mighty men of valor. They became world-renowned heroes and warriors some of these men they fought by david's side for the for the remainder of his life they would jump in a pit on a snowy day and with their bare hands they would kill a lion they would take a spear and drive it through the giants of the land they would take a sword and they would slay hundreds and hundreds until the enemy was defeated these men that began one way but ended another way because they lived amongst a hero themselves. If you want to be a hero, you got to find some heroes. You see, if you want to soar with the eagles, you got to quit hanging out with the turkeys. Because all turkeys do is they just look down and they peck, on, they peck what's on the ground, they eat what's on the ground. God's not called you to be a turkey, so quit acting like a turkey and quit hanging out with turkeys and find some eagles and reach your heights for the glory of God. Mount up with wings like eagles, the Bible says. nehemiah's day the house of heroes had to be repaired in our day in america the house of heroes has to be repaired you see i believe our schools they used to be and they need to be again a breeding ground for heroes our churches used to be and need to become once again a breeding ground for heroes in our homes our homes they need to go from being a house of horror to a house of the heroes a house of horrors filled with drugs and filled with alcohol and filled with abuse and filled with anger and filled with pain. Enough of that. Heroes can be reborn. Homes can be restored. Lives can be repaired. And families can be renewed if we'll invite the King of Glory back into our homes and the King of Glory back into our lives. The hero has arrived and now the heroes can be reborn. Put together a picture collage of heroes actually I didn't I sent it to Brad's department over there and they put it together don't they do a good job can we give them a hand (laughs) thank God for all the help a preacher has in preaching on a weekend look at these heroes these are men these are women who are heroes heroes of today those that serve in the military and they do it with distinction and honor God bless you in law enforcement first responders Women like Mother Teresa, who lived a life of sacrifice and dedication for the underprivileged. Those in the medical industry and in law enforcement. Those that are educators, that have a fear of God. God bless you. Great men like Billy Graham that preached the gospel and have done it for over 50 years. Founding fathers like George Washington. Men like Martha Luther King Jr. Families that love children, love life, protect life, and raise children. To know, love, and learn and serve God, the house of heroes needs to be repaired, needs to be restored. But if we're going to restore our, our house of the heroes, it's going to take three things, church. You see, our houses can become the house of the heroes. It can go from a house of horrors. Many of you know what that's like, don't you? Many of you were raised in a home like that. I know. Maybe you're in a home like that right now. There's hope for you. You say, Pastor Carl, you know Father's Day is always difficult for me because I never had a good relationship with my father or I never knew my father or my father abandoned me. That's real, I know, it happens unfortunately. And I'm sorry for that. But you know, there's always hope with God, isn't there? There's always grace. His grace is always sufficient because my Bible tells me he is a father to the fatherless. He is a husband to the widow. And maybe your earthly father abandoned you, but you have a loving, heavenly father, and he's crazy about you. And he's promised that he would never leave you nor forsake you. Maybe your earthly father wasn't the best example. I'm sorry for that. Really, no father's perfect. But the Bible still says we're still to honor our father and our mother, to honor that position. And if you do, even if they're not deserving of it, God will honor you and God will bless you. I hope if you didn't have a great father, I hope you'll have a great husband. I hope you'll have a great son. I hope you'll have some great men, a great uncle maybe, a great, a, a great grandfather in the sense of not a great grandfather, but a father that's great, a grandfather that's great, amen. Maybe a, a godly teacher, a godly male coach, a, a godly minister, someone that can be an example of what it means to be a Christ follower, to be a, a hero for Jesus. That's what we are in desperate need in, in our country today before man, men become extinct. So if you're going to build a house of heroes, it's going to take three things. Number one, it's going to take a good foundation. You builders in here, you know that every great building, every great edifice, it starts first and foremost with the foundation. You have to make sure that the foundation is right. If you want a small building, small foundation. If you want a big building, big foundation. Everything is dependent on the foundation and look at what the Bible says in psalm 11 verse 3 if the foundations are destroyed what can the righteous do the foundations of Godliness the foundations of the Word of God in this country have been under assault and been under attack for over a generation and the foundations are being destroyed in the halls of Congress the foundations are being destroyed in public education The foundations are being destroyed in many churches throughout our land today. And if the foundations of righteousness and holiness and godliness are destroyed, the question, what can the righteous do? Hey, righteous people, what can you do? You and I may have little influence of what happens in the halls of Congress or in public education or in society in general, but we have everything to say and we have complete rights over our own homes and the foundation that we've chosen to build our families upon. You can still be like Joshua of old when he looked out to his countrymen one day and he said, you make the decision of what you're going to do. But as for me and my house, we are gonna serve the Lord. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? You can build a house of the heroes in your own home. You can defend your own home. And you can be a hero in your own home. The strength of any building lies in its foundation. The foundation supports the weight of the building. We know that. I looked up and doing some research that usually 30 to 40% of construction is focused just on the foundation alone. That's how important it is. I came across a news story, happened some years ago in Shanghai, in China. Look at this building. It completely fell over in a storm, completely, just fell right over. And you ask, well, why? Well, in this next picture, you realize there was no foundation. If you don't have a foundation, the slightest wind, storms will knock your life over. Now, contrast that to the Empire State Building in New York City, this majestic feat of architectural wonder. It rises 103 stories, that is 1,250 feet or nearly a quarter of a mile straight up from the street. You know, the building has 6,000 windows, 75 miles of main water pipes, 50 miles of radiator pipe, 700 tons of aluminum and stainless steel in the outer walls. There are 2 million feet of electrical wires, 350,000 electrical light sockets. The Empire State Building can house 25,000 workers, an additional 40,000 visitors a day. And in an emergency, it can accommodate 80,000 people, providing them shelter. That's about one-third of the city of Lubbock. Wow. It demanded a sure foundation. You know the foundation of the Empire State Building. It reaches down 30 feet below the sidewalk and rests on stratum granite, the firmest foundation in the world. It's the basic rock of which this earth was created by God and made. If you want to have a great life, you got to have a great foundation. You know, our Lord, in the most famous sermon ever preached in Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, he ends by telling a story of A wise builder and a foolish builder. You know the story. What differentiated the wise builder from the foolish builder? They were both builders. They both built a beautiful edifice. But one was wise and one was foolish. And the difference was the wise one built on the right foundation. A solid rock foundation. The foolish one built on sand. The the sifting sand. And when the storms came and here's the... Here's the key to the to the story the storms of life will hit all of us the bible says it rains on the just and the unjust the storms of life will come your way jesus said the winds will blow the rains will come the storm will hit your house but what will determine whether it stands or falls is whether or not you've taken the time to build your life on the proper foundation, the solid rock foundation of Jesus Christ and His Word. And if you do, you will endure. You won't be like that building in China that just fell right over. So many marriages, they are just falling right over. So many families just falling right over. So many lives just falling right over because they don't have the proper foundation. You know, in reconstruction, many times what's required is to tear everything down and start from scratch. Sometimes you go through life and you're like, is there hope for me? And is there, is there hope for my marriage or my family? We've been through a major storm, Pastor Carl. Well, maybe the house was destroyed, but if the foundation is secure, you can build again. You can dream again. You can hope again. And you can love again if the foundation is right. But you have to build on the right foundation. Listen to me, young people. I speak to you as a father, not just as a pastor, because I'm old enough now to be your father, those of you in your 20s, amen. If you want to have a meaningful relationship, if you want to have a relationship that lasts, you have to have the proper foundation, and you can't build your relationship contrary to what Hollywood and culture tells you today, you can't build your relationship on sex. It has to be built on love, on friendship, on trust, it has to be built on God. It has to be built on His promises. And if you'll build your life and you'll build your relationship, then you'll have God's blessing. And it will endure the test and the storms that will come your way. And I know, listen, foundations aren't glamorous. This past week they had the parade of homes. And I'll tell you something it's fun being married for 27 years. Because after you're married for 27 years, you can say no to your wife. My wife said, Do you want to come with me to see the Parade of Homes? I said, no, honey, you go. She said, okay. Now, the first few years into marriage, she said, honey, do you want to go with me to the Parade of Homes? It's never a question. It's a demand. Yes, honey, I'll go wherever you go. You go, where you go, I go. (laughs) But she said, do you want to go? I said, no, thank you. And there are some beautiful homes. We have some of the builders that that are part of the Trinity family here. Congratulations. And you've never walked into a beautiful home and said, wow, look at this foundation. It's awesome. I've never seen a foundation like this. Because the foundation isn't seen. You see, what we see is we see the building. But we don't see the foundation upon which the building was built. That's why we have to make sure that we're building on the proper foundation. We have an old hymn that we used to sing a lot of, right? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness i dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on jesus name and then the course on christ the solid rock i stand all other ground is what sinking sand i tried singing it in the last few services it just didn't work <laughs> but i want to so bad can somebody help me On Christ the solid rock, I stand. All other ground. We're all off on tune. Sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I know it's bad singing, but good preaching. Come on. Good preaching. Build your life. On the solid rock foundation of Jesus Christ. The second thing, if you're going to rebuild the house of heroes, not only is he going to take number one a foundation, but number two is going to take the frame, the framing of that house, the framing of that life. You know, framing and construction is fitting together of pieces to give structure and support and shape to that edifice, to that building. Here's what the Word of God says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed. The worlds, the universe, was framed, how? By the Word of God. How are you to frame your life, your marriage, your family, your finances, every aspect of your life? You're to frame it by the Word of God. What good is a foundation without the framework without the hammering of those those studs right those two by fours and giving structure and shape to that building matter of fact if your man is with you today in service turn to him and say you're a stud come on tell him you're a stud yeah the framework is important too isn't it so many people their lives are framed by what Hollywood says their lives are framed by the pagans of the land. Their lives are framed by whatever feels good. But God framed the world by his word. You need to create the framework of your life, the framework of your marriage, the framework of your soul and of your thought life according to the word of God. And if you will, you'll endure. You'll be blessed. And you'll receive God's favor here's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, the latter part of verse 19 you are members of God's family together we are his house built on the foundation of what? the apostles and the prophets Old Testament New Testament, that's what that means Old Testament, New Testament and the most important part of a foundation is the cornerstone, right? read the last part out loud with me and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself. Woohoo! When the cornerstone of your life is Christ, you're indestructible. Now the framework can go up. How important is the framework? Well, we talk about in this country the framers of our Constitution, our founding fathers, they laid this nation on a proper foundation and then they outline seven articles that became the framework for our government and as much as our country has been under assault and under attack for over a generation it's hanging together sometimes it seems by a thread but it's holding its own why the foundation why the framework and those that would want to destroy this nation and dismantle the the Christian faith of our nation they're finding it very difficult to do because the foundation was laid and because of the framework if you want to rebuild the house of the heroes the house of heroes that became vacant in the time of Nehemiah but the wall was being repaired the room was being cleaned out And one hero, at least one hero already showed up, Nehemiah and and other heroes were starting to show up. That's how it works. You need the foundation. You need the framework. But you also need, number three, finally, the roof. What good is a, a beautiful home or a beautiful building without a covering? And I ask you that question. What good is your life without the proper covering? We all need a covering over our life. We all need the proper head over our life. Look at what the Apostle Paul said writing to the Corinthians, in first Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But there's one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. And the head of every woman, in the context of this chapter, it means married women, is man. And the head of Christ is God. When you talk about a head, what are you talking about? well you're talking about that which has preeminence your head stands out to the rest of your body when we talk about the top person in an organization we we talk about we call that person the head of that organization in education we speak about the head master the head represents authority it represents leadership and the Bible says that the head of every man is Christ or it should be Christ Christ should be your covering Christ should be your ultimate and final authority, man. At the age of 17, I made Christ the head of my life. He began to cover my life. He became the Lord of my life. And that meant that every choice and every decision, I had to learn how to yield and submit it to him. God, what would you have me to do? Yes, I'd like to do this. Yes, I'd like to do that. But God, what does your word say? Because my my life is now being built on Christ. Christ. And the framework of my life is by the Word of God. And I submit to your covering and your leadership. You see, in a home and in a family, headship is not dictatorship. Listen to me. Headship is not dictatorship. Headship is not lordship. Headship is leadership. And it's servant leadership. That a man is the chief servant leader in his home. And our example of that is Christ. Christ loved the church so husbands ought to love their wives and lay down their lives for them. Christ is our example of what it means to be a real man. And real men have submitted their lives to the headship of Christ, to the lordship of Christ. And if you'll do that, a hero can be born today. Or a hero can be reborn today. The past is the past. Maybe it's been a house of horrors. But it can become a house of the heroes starting today. Because your future is yet to be determined. And if you'll start building on the right foundation. And frame your life by the word of God. And submit to the covering of Christ and godly leadership in your life your future is bright and your future is beautiful shortly after giving my life to Christ I started attending a local church in Albuquerque it happened to be Chelwood Park four square church from that moment forward there's never been a moment or a time in my life where I've not had a spiritual covering over my life a spiritual roof over my life I've always had godly men godly leadership godly leaders that I have yielded and submitted my life to I'm a better man not a perfect man but I'm a better man all these years because the head of every man is Christ the head of every wife is her husband and the head of Christ himself is God the Father for even positionally not in personhood but positionally Christ is submitted to the Father I hope you've submitted your life to the Father, this Father's Day. And if you haven't, it's not too late. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we humbly come before you today. We want to build our lives, our marriages, our relationships, our businesses, our finances, our futures on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we want to frame our lives, our thinking, our marriages, our decisions by the Word of God. And we want to submit and yield to the headship of Christ. We declare you as Lord. Lord over our lives. Lord over our struggles, our battles, our circumstances. Nothing's too big for you, God. No challenge is too great. No problem is too big. No enemy is too fierce. They cannot be overcome by your grace and by your power. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior or you need to rededicate your life to Him, I want you to pray this prayer out loud with the rest of us. Say it with your own mouth. Mean it from your own heart. Here we go. Dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. I call upon you, Jesus. I ask you now, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I turn from sin to the true and living God. I receive his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. Dear God in heaven, you're now my father and I am your child. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit and give me strength to live for you and serve you all the days of my life beginning today for the rest of eternity in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord together.